If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. This morning, we're going to conclude a series we've been looking at in the month of July. Blessed brokenness. It's the Beatitudes that Jesus himself uh, will preach. He'll start with this that we find in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, I got to begin and say thank you so much to my, my brothers and my friends who filled this pulpit so well for me when I was gone. Uh, David Outing. How about David Outing? Is that not just a, a awesome hoot of a time? And love David Outing. Uh, he was not in the Beatitudes, but he was in scripture. I love that and love this sermon. Um, and you know, for a African-American man, it's amazing. Only preached like 58 minutes. And so that was pretty amazing. Um, and then to have Jim Cofield, my dear friend, take us through these Beatitudes. And I don't know if you've ever stood here in the pulpit, but one of the things I had put here, there's a plaque here. And there's a plaque here that says this. It's John 12, 21. And it says, sir, we wish to see Jesus. It's from scripture when the Greeks were in Jerusalem and they wanted to see Jesus. Uh, they asked his disciples say, show me Jesus. So I want everybody who stands here to know they have one job. Show Jesus to the people. And I'm so grateful for the men, my brothers, uh, my friends who so well showed us Jesus. And may we see him again this morning. Family business. Do you have a family business? Do you know those who, who do? Uh, when I grew up, uh, we were really close to a family called the Carpenters. And the Carpenters had a, a wonderful family business. The, the Carpenters were carpenters. They, they really were. They were carpenters. They were actually more, probably better said, home builders. Uh, that's how they made their living was making homes. As a matter of fact, the years I knew them, they never were in a home themselves longer than a year or two. I mean, they would kind of build one for themselves and turn it over. I mean, their, the constant building process was all their life. Their, their whole family was enmeshed in the family business. You know, do you know folks like that who have a family business and like everything about that family seems to be enmeshed in the family business? Well, the two boys, well, they, they stayed in the family business. Uh, uh, the two daughters, uh, one married a carpenter and a home builder and one married a guy who worked for Nabisco and sells Oreos. I don't know what happened there. But the beautiful thing about God's word this morning that we're going to be told again is God is going to give you and me a title if we're in Christ Jesus. And it's an incredible title. You ready for this? Sons of God. Sons of God. And, and it's, it's interesting. It's a little nuance as we're going to read. It's not child of God, which is wonderful in its self. And I, I believe the commentators are right to say the reason it says sons of God here compared to a child of God is, is really is, is this type of person should reflect the father, should reflect the family characteristics. God is in the peacemaking business. God has been and forever will be involved in the peacemaking business. This is a family business. This is something that's cost him dearly. It's cost him his own son's life for there to be truly peace. And he says, if you are a son you or a daughter, you're in the family business as well. And he calls all of us 
to peacemaking. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look today at verses 9 through 12. Jim has taken us through 2 through 8. But again, as we, as we summarize this morning, let us begin again by hearing God's word, the beginning of this incredible sermon, starting in verse 2. We'll read 2 through 12. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And he, Jesus, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And our focus this morning. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice. This, this, This word here is like dance. Be so excited of this reality that you can't contain it. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, in this sermon that your son preached on the side of that hill some 2,000 years ago, Jesus opened his mouth and he announced and proclaimed blessing. All blessings come from you, Jesus. And so as I open my mouth and we, we look to this text and I strive to teach on your word, may you, our great God, be the true teacher. Would you use these words? Would you bless these words? Would you, would you make them your words? God, in a way that you would give us ears to hear your voice, minds to understand your sermon here before us, your word. You give us hearts to embrace your truth and you would give us hand, uh, hands and feet to act and to walk in a manner worthy of your name. God, the things that are said that are just wrong or my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and can't contain the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our savior, Jesus. And it's in his holy and matchless name that we pray. Amen. In your bulletin, you usually find an outline. If you look there, there's no outline. It's not that I'm still on vacation. It's just like I didn't have it until last night at seven. And so you'll see it on the screen. Um, But God has some wonderful things for us this morning, I trust. I want to begin with some overarching thoughts. Uh, Jim, if you were here during the time, he says, I was going to conclude this and wrap this up. Uh, And I do believe that's a, a great privilege. But there's a few things we got to go back and see and say, let's look at this as a whole. This incredible sermon, this little part of the sermon that we hear. The Beatitudes are these blessings. They're not seven or eight 
individual blessings. He's, he's not talking about individuals that are blessed that have certain things. Like some of you are blessed because you're hunger and thirst for righteousness and other you who are blessed because you have a pure heart and others are this way. This is not seven or eight separate things. This is, this is one blessing for God's people. This is one blessing that, that his, all of his family should enjoy. These are like the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit that Paul tells us in Galatians 4, it's not fruits, plural, of the spirit. It's singular, fruit of the spirit. And all those things, if we are Christians, if if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, the fruit of the spirit should be evident in us. I mean, not all the time, we're still sinners. But love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and whatever I missed, I said it fast, those should be a part of your life. Just like these blessings are a part of your life. I mean, each one of these beatitudes, in a sense, stands by itself, but they're really more like rungs of a ladder. And they're rungs of a ladder that kind of show us who we are in Christ Jesus. And it's really interesting because the beginning promise is the kingdom of heaven. And the ending promise is like the kingdom of heaven. So we begin and end with promises that are very similar. But these are for, for all of us. And the Beatitudes, it's, it's really interesting as well. It says, blessed is, it's in, it's in the present tense. Uh, blessed are those, I mean, it's current. Blessed are those of you who, who mourn. Blessed are those of you who, who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you, those of you, and it's a present tense blessing. But it offers a future tense reward oftentimes. For yours shall be. You shall inherit the earth. You shall be comforted. And so this is what the kingdom of heaven, the reign and rule of God. Remember, Jesus' first ever sermon proclaimed good news that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, that it was here. And what does that mean? The kingdom of heaven is, is the reign and rule of Christ here on earth as is in heaven. And it's seen in the heart of God's people who, who have laid their life before Jesus and say, come and be my king. So in this kingdom of God, it's here now. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus said it 2,000 years ago, but it's not fully here. And there's blessings right now. Right now, if you are in Christ, you're loved, you're forgiven, you're free. God has given you life and life abundantly, but it's not fully here yet. So it's like this. We have a blessed life now, but the best life is still to come. I know there's a preacher in, in Houston who, who wrote a best-selling book, Your Best Life Now. It really isn't lining up very well with the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God's blessings are these. You're blessed now, but you're going to struggle. You're blessed now, but there's some really difficult things. You're blessed now, but the best life is to come. Let me tell you what that best life is going to be like. There's a day coming when Jesus is coming back. There's a day coming where we can see him. I mean, see him physically face to face. There's a day coming where sin will be no more. There's a day coming where, where death will be no more. There's a day coming, no more wars or, or rumors of wars. There's a day coming where there's no more political craziness. There's a day coming where the reign of Christ will come in its fullness. And oh, that day that we long for. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But you see, you got a blessed life now, but it's it's different. It's, it's uh, uh, blessed now, but really the best life is to come. And if you look at these beatitudes closely, although Jesus is the one who's preaching them, 
typical Jesus. He's the one who fulfills them. I mean, he's the one who truly is blessed. All, listen, this is not hyperbole. All of the blessings of God, that everything he promises are funneled through his son. Even those who don't know him, by God's common grace, receive blessings from Christ. But there's not a blessing that you and I do not know that we haven't received through God's son, Jesus. So when he says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus is the one who was poor in spirit. I mean, think of him, Jesus, uh, Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Jesus, although he was rich as God's own son, became poor And so that through his poverty, we could become rich. The one who was poor in spirit, who would experience that fully on the cross. When it says, blessed are those who mourn, it's Jesus. I mean, Jesus would go into Jerusalem and he'd see the city and all of its brokenness. And he'd weep. When was the last time you went into a city and you wept? Maybe it was after the horrific events that happened right here in Orlando that you just saw it. It just broke your heart. That's, that's Jesus. He mourned over the brokenness of the world. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he does more than just weep over our sin. He bled over it. He covers it with his own blood. Blessed are the meek. Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the ultimate one who, who although he's the second person of the triune God, although he's eternal God in flesh, mighty God, creator God, he's meek. It's Jesus who will say in the gospel of Matthew in chapter 11, if, if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're heavy laden, come to me. Come to me because you come to me, you'll, you'll, you'll find rest. Jesus will say, because I'm meek, I'm gentle, I'm lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that great? I mean, and that's true rest is rest for your souls. You're gonna find rest for your souls in me because Jesus is the one who's meek. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. No one hungered and thirsts for righteousness more than Jesus. Even though he's the spotless lamb of God, even though he has always been and will forever be sinless, he becomes our sin. He hungered and thirsts for righteousness so much that when it included a Roman cross for you and me to be set free, he says, I hunger and thirst for it. The writer of Hebrews would say, I counted it joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because he hungered and he thirsted for your righteousness and mine. And he'd give it to us as he who knew no sin would become our sin. And we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They will receive mercy. Well, is there anybody more merciful than Jesus? Remember the story in John 8 of the woman caught in adultery? Caught in the act. And they brought her, which begs the question, where was the guy? Typical society that's not really looking for justice. And they drag her to Jesus and say, we caught this woman red-handed. She's, she's an adulterer. And what does Jesus do? Well, here's a good idea, guys. Uh, those of you who haven't sinned, why don't you be the first one to throw the stones? You know, the first one who wants to whip a rock at her ought to be the one who's sinless. And what do they do? Now, the amazing thing about that story is there's only one who could throw a rock. If, if, the, if the bar that was set, those of you who are sinless throw the stone, there's only one. And what does Jesus say? Listen, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. 
merciful. The pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, I love the way Jim explained it last week. If you missed it, you got to go listen to it. I really thought it was a great analogy that he used with his son, uh, uh, Skyler, in watching the Star Wars movie. But the reality is, who's pure in heart? Is anybody here pure in heart? I will gladly sit down and have you come preach. I mean, is there anybody here truly pure in heart? I mean, thought, word, and deed, there's only one, Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God because there's only one who's seen the Father, and it's the Son. And you know, Jesus will say, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. There's no other way to the Father except for me. Why? Because he's the pure in heart. He's the only one. Blessed are the peacemakers. Isn't it interesting? The Prince of Peace. 700 years before Jesus arrives on the scene, Isaiah will call him the Prince of Peace. He is our peace. He is the peace of God. He brings the God of peace. The peace that passes understanding. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. There's no peace without him. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Is that Jesus? He's persecuted for righteousness. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was pierced because of our brokenness. And through his righteousness, he was killed. You see, all of the blessings of the Bible... All the blessings of God will find connection to Jesus. They all come to us through him. And in him, it's incredible, in him, we are called a part of his family. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they shall be called the sons of God. If you have given your life to Christ, that is who you are, a child of God. God has loved you that much. That is who we are. And as a part of God's family, we are sons of God now. It's incredible. We're not slaves, but sons, Paul will say in Galatians 4. And now we have the blessing to be a part of the blessed business. The first thing we'll see is this. Blessed are those in God's family business. And what what family business is God in? From time began, he's a peacemaker. That's the family business of God, is to make peace with a broken world, to make peace with sinners. Let me show you the Trinity in this. We see the Father as the initiator of peace. He's the initiator. He's the one who starts the ball rolling. Because why? For God so loved the world that he would send his only son. It starts with him. He initiates peace. He he sues for peace. And he provides us the peace offering. It's crazy. So so father is the initiator of peace. The son is the instrument of peace. He's the one who maintains God's holiness by living a righteous life. He's the one who absorbs God's wrath for sin by dying on a cross. There is never, there is no peace with God apart from a cross. There's none. There's no peace with God apart from a righteous life and a sacrifice. I mean, God can't be God. He can't be holy and merciful if they don't kiss together on the cross of Lord Jesus Christ. He's the instrument of peace. He is our peace. He's, he's the one who's broken the dividing wall between sinful man and the veil is torn and a holy God. He's the one who makes Jew and Gentile, male and female one. Jesus is our peace. He accomplishes it. And the Holy Spirit's like the implementer of peace. He takes the initiation of the Father and the work of the Son and he, and he applies it to us. And he gives us a new heart. And he reminds us that, that we're, we're loved and we're his. That's the family business. That's the, that's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit business. And everyone associated to that family. It's interesting, it says this, blessed are the peacemakers. Remember, you can't make what you don't have. 
And I, and I think that many people live their lives, dare I say, even some Christians trying to be, be peace finders instead of peacemakers. That's interesting because you got to start with the fact that I have peace with God because of Christ Jesus by his grace alone. And God isn't calling me the easy road. He's not going to say, now live and dwell in this wonderful bubble of peace. He says, now I want you to be a peacemaker. And by the way, when you do, you'll be persecuted. Blessed are the peacemakers. They, why? Because we are sons of God. We're in that business too. And we have peace with God. It's, it's, a, it's what Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, it's one of my favorite passages. I sometimes wonder how many sermons of mine have 2 Corinthians 5 in them. If you ever go back there, there's got to be a really high number of them. But it says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. That we are new creations in Christ because God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ Jesus. He wasn't counting our trespasses and sins against us. And not only that, he's, but he's made us ambassadors. He's reconciled us. He's made us ambassadors of reconciliation. That God is making his appeal through us. Therefore, he implores us, be reconciled to God. Then it concludes this way, because God took him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's basically saying this, God makes us new in Christ He gives us a new nature. He forgives our sins, gives us new life. He's reconciled us through the cross of Christ. And now he says, and now the ministry I give you, I'm going to make my appeal through you. You're in the family business. You're to be a peacemaker. We're basically to do what the father does. It's a family business. Act like the dad. We're to do that which big brother Jesus does. Act like Jesus. We're to do it together as brothers and sisters. How are we peacemakers? I think the most natural way that we are peacemakers is sharing your faith. And it doesn't have to be like the four spiritual laws. It doesn't have to be like knocking on someone's door and, and asking them if they were to die tonight or will they go to heaven. Although that's, that's fantastic that God's called you to. But sharing your faith. It's sharing your faith the way you live your life, the way you love your spouse, the way you raise your kids, by the way you, you work and act and play. Share your faith. I mean, that's that to show a life that's in peace with God. You know how important it is for us to walk with God? Because we have peace with God. You've been set free. Live like someone free. That's a peacemaker. Show the world what it looks like to have know the fact that God loves you. God has rescued you and you are his. Listen, he's not changing his mind about you. It's such good news. Now be a peacemaker. Go and share your faith. Here's what scripture says. And we gotta be clear on this. It says that we are to seek the people, the peace of the people in our lives. Romans 12, 18 says this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As much as it depends on you, and it doesn't all depend on you, I know. But as far as your job, your job is peace. Live peaceably with all. It says, seek the peace of the members of your own family. How easy is that one? Seek the peace of the city in which God has placed us. One of my favorite Old Testament passages, I'm reading through Jeremiah again. But in Jeremiah 29, verse 7, it says this. 
to God's people. But seek the welfare or the shalom, the peace of the city which I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its peace, its welfare, its shalom, you will find your welfare. God has you here in Central Florida to seek the peace of the city. That in your peace and prosperity in Christ, the city will be blessed. Seek peace. I don't think that we could ever say that God is leading us anywhere other than toward peace. We can't say, well, you know, God is leading me this way. Say, no, no, God's a peacemaker. That's who he is. You know, I got to say a few other things about this. Peacemaking isn't avoiding conflict. And I have really failed here. I have been humbled to tears, looking back even at my own family and realize that I've chosen sometimes silence and hidden that that silence was under peace instead of speaking truth and love. And there were times that I should have stood up and there's times I should have blown a whistle and there's times I should have raised my hand. And even to those above me and around me. And seeking peace doesn't mean just being silent. It could be at times. But it really means speaking truth and love. Speaking truth and love and speaking truth from meekness. Speaking truth, hunger and thirsting for righteousness. Not hunger and thirsting for your own rightness and your own, I gotta be right. Seeking truth, being pure in heart. Being a peacemaker. I know it's hard. And you're gonna be ridiculed for it. And I just love the fact that God says, listen, if you're a son of God, you're gonna be a peacemaker. And by the way, it's not going to go well. Oh, you'll have some blessings, but you're going to be persecuted. And you're going to be persecuted even by your own family. Some of you know that. Some of you are made fun of just by even gathering worship. Your family thinks you're crazy. But being persecuted. But we have the privilege of sharing in the family business. But secondly, we have the privilege of sharing in the family blessings. And I've mentioned this, and again, all the blessings that we will ever enjoy come to us by God's grace. Every one of them by God's grace. Every one of them through the work of his son, the reality of his son. We are blessed now if we're in Christ Jesus. We will be blessed tomorrow. I love it what it says in Ephesians 1, 3. Man, Ephesians 1, if you want to read a great chapter of scripture, write down Ephesians 1. I mean, wow. But Ephesians 1, 3 says this. For we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with all the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. I don't even know what that means. But it really sounds good, doesn't it? We've been blessed with every blessing in heaven because the kingdom of heaven is ours. Everything that the Son of God has earned as the obedient Son. Everything that the Son of God owns as the only begotten Son. He says, I'm going to give you all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Because why? Because you're mine. And I love you. And I love you because I love you. It's incredible. And even more than that, these blessings that Paul will write in Galatians 4, he'll remind you, you're not a slave, but you're a son. And if you're a son, you ready for this? If you're, if you're a son, then you're an heir. I mean, you, you have an inheritance. The inheritance of heaven and the inheritance of God and God's family through Christ Jesus. Galatians 4, 7, Romans 8, 17. 
Man, incredible. We're part of the family business. We share in the family blessings, but we also share in the family reproaches. Reproaches. You know, there's a kingdom in conflict. He says, I'm promising you this kingdom of heaven. It sounds great. But remember, they killed the king in this kingdom, right? I mean, there was a kingdom conflict that went to a cross. And this kingdom is still in conflict. The outcome isn't in question. He rose from the dead. Death has been defeated. Satan is a vanquished foe. But he's still powerful. And we still live in a broken, messed up world. Do we not? And we're going to have conflict. Being in a family business is going to bring reproaches of the world. And Jesus told his disciples, and again, I love his candor. I love that he didn't soft sell it. He just says, hey, fellas, in John 15, they hate me. The world hates me. And because the world hates me, they're going to hate you. Because you and I, were family. We're associated. And you're going to be guilty by association just in my name. And they persecuted me, and they're going to persecute you. As a matter of fact, they're going to think they're doing God a service by killing some of you. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Paul will say, say to the church, and he say to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says this. This is, this is another great one. If any of you desire, if any of you desire to live a godly life, what do you think the next word should be? Yahoo, yippee, you're wonderful. If anybody here desires to live a godly life, you'll be persecuted. You want to step out for Jesus? You want to live out of holiness? You want to live in the family name and, and, and be a part of the family business? You can be persecuted. But I love the fact, too, that Paul will tell us in Philippians 3.10 that there's a fellowship with Jesus for being persecuted with him. I mean, we're in this together. Let me also say that being persecuted for righteousness' sake doesn't mean that people don't like your photo on Instagram. Sometimes we'll say we're being persecuted and it's not really being persecuted for righteousness sake. We're, we live in a mean, nasty world that's not very nice sometimes. And I also have to confess to you, I don't know if I really know what it means to be persecuted for righteousness sake. I would love to tell you all the times that I stood up for what was right, I did the right thing, and I was persecuted. I don't have a huge laundry list of persecution for righteousness sake. And that's just being honest. But I do know this. If there's not some persecution in our lives for living for Jesus, we got to question if we're really peacemakers. Because peacemakers are going to find persecution. Peacemakers enter into war zones. Peacemakers enter into difficult situations. Peacemakers are in battle. If we don't find any persecution, the question we probably have to ask is, am I really being a peacemaker? What God has called us to. Remember what I said as we began, you can't not make something you don't have. For those of you who don't know Christ Jesus, don't try to be a peacemaker <laughs> until you've made peace with God. And the message for you is, 
the only way you'll have peace with God, the only way I have peace with God, the only way this room has peace with God is because of God's grace and the work of his son. And the message is embrace this ultimate peacemaker, the Prince of Peace, who gives us a peace that passes understanding and let him tell you how much loved you are in Christ Jesus. Let him wash away your sins and make you new. But to the rest of us, the question is, where, where is God calling you to be a peacemaker? Let me ask you as we close, what, what, what needs to be done in your home? What needs to be done? Where, where, where is God calling you to enter and be a peacemaker? And maybe some of you are like me that you might have to repent about some silence. You might have to repent that maybe you've, you've, you've veered away from conflict to try to, to keep away from a difficult situation. Where, where is God calling you at home to be a peacemaker? Where in your neighborhood or in your friends is God calling you to be a peacemaker? Where in your workplace? You know, you're not there randomly, right? I mean, if you're a child of God, you're an ambassador of God, whoever you are, wherever you are, God's hand has you there. And ultimately he has you there for himself. For those of you who are students, this applies to you. If you're a child of the king, you're an ambassador of peace wherever school you go to. You know, we're blessed to be a part of this family business. It's a good business. And in Christ Jesus, we know this business is gonna be successful. Are you in it? If you're his, you are. And you're blessed. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for the blessing of being peacemakers. We couldn't do this apart from Christ. And thanks for telling us the truth that when we do this, we're gonna be persecuted and made fun of. And God, I look around this world and I see the fact that it needs peacemakers. I look in our neighborhoods, I look in our schools, I look in our political arenas. We need peacemakers. And the only peacemakers that are worth their salt are yours. Because the only hope we have is that your kingdom would come, Jesus, and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's kind of crazy that you would love sinners like us enough to make us new. And it's really almost even more crazy that you, it's a good idea for you to say that now you're going to make your, your appeal to the world through us. That we are going to be your peacemakers. And Father, we just got to repent because we spend so much time seeking our own personal peace and not seeking the peace of Christ in our lives, in our family, in our community. Humble us, empower us. And we thank you at the end of the day that the result is not gonna be if we do our job or not. We know we win because Jesus wins. And your faithfulness and grace is gonna win. But God, find us faithful. For the one who is yet to make peace with you, God, may today be the day where your grace shines through where they realize their only hope for peace is in Jesus. May today be the day they embrace Christ as Lord and Savior. And for the rest of us, God, may we be blessed, persecuted peacemakers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.